the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The Bullington Capital Report, hosted by Bill Bullington. For the next hour, you'll receive information on current market conditions and trends that could affect your financial future. If you have a question, you can participate in today's program by calling 216-901-0945. That's 216-901-0WHK. You can also reach Bill by going to his website, BullingtonCapital.com. And now, here's Bill Bullington. Well, thanks for tuning in. For those of you that just left my seminar, um, thanks for coming. Appreciate that. We'll do these. Uh, actually, I think I'm going to slow down and kind of do them on a quarterly basis uh, this year. So uh, I will tell you that if if you wanted to talk to me about something I talked about on the air, just go to my website and send me an email. I'll be glad to do that. And uh, we all always offer a free get acquainted meeting, uh, kind of explain to you how we work, what we do, and uh, let you decide whether or not you'd like to take advantage of our services. Yeah. At any rate, you can go to my website to make contact with me, and that's BullingtonCapital.com. Uh, you can also go there to listen to this radio show. It's downloaded as a podcast there, also on TheFish.com, and you can also find it on iTunes. How cool is that? It's lovely to be living in the uh, 2000 in teens, <laughs> early teens. Yeah. Anyway, I was just thinking about some of the things that we had talked about this morning. You know, the 60 second test, how, trying to figure out how much risk a stock has in it and why you'd want to know that. Well, the reason you'd want to know that is if you're investing in funds and you should be investing in, in stock funds, by the way, either through your IRAs, your 401ks, however you're doing it, you should probably have some money in stocks. The vast majority of us are going to need to invest pretty heavily in stocks if we hope to reach our retirement funding goals. And it would really help if you could figure out how much risk you're taking. That would really help, like a lot. Okay, Because then you could avoid doing what a lot of people end up doing by investing in something that's just gone up a lot because it the one, three, and five-year track record looks so great, and then you find out, yeah, it looks really great because they were taking a lot of risk. They happen to get lucky, and as soon as you buy it, it starts to drop. You ever get that feeling? <laughs> I've had that feeling more times than I can tell you, yeah, especially when I was new in the business. And it's hard to believe it's been over 30 years now. That is amazing. I can't believe it's been over 30 years. Yeah, you know, I don't feel that old, but... When I go look in the mirror, sometimes I don't recognize the guy looking back at me. <laughs> he looks a lot older than I remembered. <laughs> so anyway, we're uh, we're doing that 60-second test. Feel free to call if you have a question regarding that, if you came from the seminar and still don't uh, understand it. Relatively simple. 
basically I, I do this. I look at a company's earnings over the past 12 months, assuming they have earnings. So a lot of companies are losing money. If, if a company is losing money, generally all not all that interested in it. You know, it would have to be a really special occasion for me to be interested in a company that's losing a lot of money. So that the first thing we're going to assume is that they're profitable. If the business is profitable, then I'm going to take a look at what those profits have been over the past 12 months. Let me just pull up. I'm going to pull up Procter & Gamble. It's one of my favorite. I don't own it anymore, by the way. Um, I sold it a few uh a few weeks ago, actually, and uh, obviously it's it's up since I sold it, but I was very happy, uh, and it wasn't all that inexpensive anymore, uh, because when I looked at their earnings per share, and I multiplied it by 20, it comes out to about 84 bucks, and the stock is at 114. I just did the 60-second test for you, incidentally. I took the earnings per share over the last 12 months, and I multiplied it by 20, which is the same thing as dividing by 5%. In other words, if I look at the earnings of $4.20 and I divide that by 5%, that's what $4.20 equals 5% of what? It's actually 84. And you know how I did that so fast? Because I multiplied it by 2. 420 is 840. And then I added a zero to it. So it's 84. And that's a little mathematical trick you can learn. if you <laughs> makes you look really smart. What's 5% of blah, blah, blah? You just multiply it by two and add a zero to it. And everybody thinks, oh, wow, look how smart he is. Nope, that's just a parlor trick. <laughs> so anyway, 84 bucks. And I bought the stock around 67 and actually held on to it until it was about 104. And I thought, yeah, you know, it's not undervalued anymore. So I think I'm just going to let it go. Uh, it's slightly ahead of itself, and it may go a lot higher from here. You never know that. That's the thing about stocks. You got to get this. You got to get this through your head. Stocks don't do what you think they're supposed to do in the short run. In the short run, anything less than five years, by the way, is the short run. You know, most people think that long term is six to eight months. Uh, on which planet? I get maybe if you're a fruit a fruit fly. <laughs> then six months is really long-term. It's like several lifetimes and maybe several hundred lifetimes of a fruit fly. I'm not sure. I think they only live for about a day or so. The, uh, but uh, for the vast majority of us in, in the stock market, the stock market years, they're the opposite of dog years. You know how one year in a, dog, in a person's life is like seven years in a dog's life? Well, this is just the opposite. Seven years in the stock market will, will include the activity that you normally expect in one. <laughs> It takes about seven times as long oftentimes for that stuff to work out like you think it should. So now the good news is eventually it works out. You know, that that's the good news. You do the right things. But if you go by beyond me, <laughs> I keep picking on that stock. And, you know, I like the company. I, I really like the company a lot. And I'm sure the product is awesome. As I'm speaking about this, it's down... $7 a share today, which is uh, only about four point, well, about four and a half percent or so. But this company is selling for $10 billion. That's what, if you added up the stock value, the number of shares times the share price, the whole company right now is on sale for $10 billion and their revenue is $100 million. In other words, it's selling at about the... Uh, a hundred times. A hundred. Let me tell you something. Somebody offers me 
a hundred times my little company's average sales, you got the business. It's yours. <laughs> I'll tell you what. I would take five times. No sweat. I would take five times my annual revenues. The, uh, and you can have my business. These guys are selling for a hundred that is insane. I don't care how good the burgers taste. No burger tastes that good. None of them do. And incidentally, these guys have, they have sparked the imaginations of a tremendous number of competitors. Go to Google. Type in Beyond Meat Competition and see what comes up. You'll be reading for a while. And you'll be reading about all these companies looking at how much money Beyond Meat, Beyond Meat is making. And they're going, hey, maybe there is something to these veggie burgers after all. Because veggie burgers are not new, by the way. See, the new thing about Beyond Meat is supposed to be that they taste more like real meat. Okay, Big deal. You think they can't copy that? <laughs> you think that flavor can be copyrighted or patented? The uh, I got news for you. The, uh, the beef, beef producers will be all over that. <laughs> and uh, Anyway, maybe at some point in time they, they might start doing that. Who knows? But anyway, that's the... Uh, uh, and, and the company can be great. I mean, it, it can be phenomenal. Uh, and I believe you when you say you really like their product. It's just that it's not financially, it doesn't make sense. So if I were looking at a fund and I saw that the fund's performance was excellent because... By the way, Beyond Meat started trading at 65, and it's been a lot higher than that. And actually, I've got the max up. Let me go to a, another service I use here. Yeah. Looks like Beyond Meat opened back in May at 45 bucks, and then in by June, it was at $200. That's at 166 today. And there were some people that, uh, you know, have lost money on this stock already, kind of a substantial amount. And there's some people that have made some money, but a hundred times your annual sales. <laughs> yeah, no, <laughs> no, that's all I have to say. <laughs> and the reason I'm saying that and using that tone, I, I can't believe how many calls I've gotten since I started talking about this how many emails i've received but beyond the meat is really good the uh well it is maybe buy the burger not the stock <laughs> enjoy yourself <laughs> but uh anyway so that's just how stocks are by the way and it, and it takes people a long time to come to the grips with that you know they, i think peter lynch wrote one of his books way back in the late 80s early 90s yep that's how old i am the uh he talked about the equity gods, <laughs> the equity gods smiling on a stock. Yeah, you just never knew when that was going to happen. And I can tell you that over time, what tends to happen is, yeah, people tend to, uh, investors tend to invest in stuff that they think is going to go up, that, that the sales are going to rise. But in the meantime, that share price is all over the place. And there are only a couple things that you can do really to, to kind of control that. You can't really control it, but to control the amount of risk you're taking. You can figure out when the numbers make sense and then listen to the story. That's my favorite way. Look for companies whose sales are rising, whose profits are rising. Uh, that, that means they actually have sales and profits. Okay, And uh, whose stocks are not overvalued. That's a good thing. 
a lot of the funds that I use are doing that. It's actually part of the, uh, they call it an algorithm. It's part of the formula that they use to select the stocks. And that matters. Over time, that's going to matter. Over the next one to three years, toss a quarter. Nobody likes to hear that, by the way, especially my older clients. They're like, and this is their attitude. I'm old now, so the market needs to bend to my wishes. I don't buy green bananas. I hear that one more time. I'm going to throw up. (laughs) What they say is that what they're saying is that they can't wait longer than a green banana takes to ripen to make money on a stock. Really? (laughs) I was wondering why I see these ads now all over the internet and Facebook's one of them where these guys, man, they're con artists. It's unbelievable. All these guys are talking about they're pitching penny stocks. And I know Facebook's just too big to monitor all that stuff. Eventually, they will get those guys, by the way. They'll get them, and, and they'll, ban, they'll ban them from their site. I have no doubt in my mind that they're going to do that. But in the meantime, these guys are talking about these stocks pie in the sky. This stock is up 1,300%. Yeah, it went from a buck to $1.30. <laughs> and by the way, that was all hype. They don't even have a product yet. They have an idea for a product. That's uh, so it's uh, anyway, here I am ranting and raving. It just really bothers me when somebody's out there and they're being taken advantage of, especially when the data today is so much easier to come by. That stuff that I was talking about, the beyond, you know, how I know about the beyond me. I looked it up. It's online. It literally takes about 10 or 15 seconds to be able to do something like that. Let's see. Uh, let me see. What's one of my favorite? I like Tootsie Roll, by the way. The uh, I stopped eating those things a long time ago. They are not good for you. <laughs> I, I still love the product, though. And uh, actually, truth be told, I walk. You know what cracks me up? You walk out of uh, what's that gym? I I just joined this gym. It was so inexpensive. I couldn't believe it. The uh, oh, my mind is gone. I mean, it's got the purple. Uh, Planet Fitness. Yep, that's it. The uh, so. I just joined Planet Fitness. It's only 22 bucks a month. It's unbelievable. I mean, and by the way, this place is new. All the equipment in there is new. It's awesome. 22 bucks a month. And that's, by the way, that's the expensive, that's the Cadillac version of their subscription, <laughs> their whatever you call it. The um, Anyway, you get to go in and get suntan, and you get the, the, the seats that the water shoots up and massages your back, and the regular massage chairs, and you can tan if you want. I don't tan. I, I burn. But the uh, anyway, all that stuff, $22 a month. I'm just, uh, I'm just amazed at that. But I forgot. I just lost my whole train of thought there. I, <laughs> Planet Fitness is publicly traded, by the way. P-L-N- PLNT, I'm pretty sure. Let me check to see if that's true. PLNT. I just type that in and there. Yep. Planet Fitness. The uh, revenue, 600 million. Revenue growth, 22%. Market cap, 7.2 billion. Not interested. (laughs) I love Planet Fitness, but I don't love them that much. (laughs) Yeah, 7.2. Are you kidding me? That's close to 12 times their annual revenue. Now think about this. Somebody walks up to you and says, hey, look, I want to buy your job. I want to buy, I want to buy your job. I talked to your boss. He said, as long as, I, as you accept the deal, he's going to hire me. I'll give you 12 years of your pay 
of your total salary before taxes, okay? I'm going to give you 12 years of your pay for your taxes just to take your job, okay? If, if you don't take that offer, you cannot be a client of Bullington Capital. You are not smart enough. <laughs> that is a, that's huge. And by the way, that's what Planet Fitness is selling for. 12 times the total, not the profit, the total revenue, 12 times. That's pretty high. Now, one of the reasons it's high is because it's growing by 20%. That's good. It's also got a really fat profit margin, but it should be selling for about half. Should be selling for about half of what it's selling for right now. Um, actually, it should be selling for a little less than half. You look at the uh, earnings. The earnings were only a buck ten. Holy cow. That stock should actually be down by about two-thirds. So why is it so high? Because it's a stock. Because it's Planet Fitness. I love Planet Fitness. <laughs> I'm going to Planet Fitness tonight. <laughs> you go in there after school's out. Holy cow. That play, you can, there's no place to work out. The good thing is it's, you know, it's open 24-7. So you can wait until everybody else goes home and then kind of sneak in there. But I, you know, this is another one of those examples. A company I really like. I have a membership there. Yeah, the, uh, I think it's awesome. I wouldn't take its stock if you gave it to me. If you gave me the stock, I'd sell it right now. <laughs> I would just sell it, cash it in. Yeah, uh, now watch it go to 150. You know why? Because it's a stock, and that's what they like to do. They like to frustrate you. <laughs> You've got to come up with an idea, a plan of managing that, and it, it's not that hard to do. You know, that's one of the reasons that funds are so popular is because there's an organizational structure to a fund that determines which stocks make the cut and which ones don't. And there are good ones. And there are some that are out there just because they know people want to buy them. Learning how to t differentiate. You know, there are a lot of clever marketers that come up with ideas that work for all these fund companies. And a lot of these fund companies are not so much interested in Get it, building a good product, they're really interested in raising more money. What's the difference? Well, if you have a fund that invests in something that's hot or trendy right now, say maybe, you know, there will, there, there will probably be an ETF out there that invests in plant-based hamburger patties at some point in time because there are a whole bunch of companies filing to go public just like Beyond Meat. And we'll talk a little bit more about that after these commercial messages. You're listening to Bill Bullington right here on 1420. Stay tuned. Sometimes all we have to hold on to is what we know is true. And we're back. Hey, you're listening to Bill Bullington. I'm here every Saturday morning from 11 to noon on 1420. This is also carried as a podcast on 955thefish.com. You can also pick it up on my website, bullingtoncapital.com, and on Apple iTunes. Whew. A lot of different places. <laughs> I go, I'm running to all those different places. I get really tired. I'm just kidding. The uh, Anyway, I just want to also remind people, if you're listening to this and you'd like to get an investment plan in place for yourself uh, that's based on what you would like to accomplish, feel free to give us a call. We have a free introductory meeting. I can show you the uh, stuff that I'm talking about, the tools I use, the tools I'm using as I'm talking about the radio station and looking all this stuff up. 
So if you're just interested, feel free to give us a call, 330-664-0700, or just go to my website and fill out the form. Somebody will contact you shortly. And uh, we're just talking about the different stocks and risks that uh, different stocks are taking and different funds and strategies and whatnot. And I just started thinking about the economy. You know, the, um, I took economics when I was in college and you know, I, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was kind of interesting. You know, that's how nerdy I was. But the, uh, anyway, I'm, I'm looking at the key economic indicators or some of the key economic indicators. And, you know, it, it, it's pretty amazing. This has been a long expansion uh, everybody's fond of pointing out that, you know, this is the longest expansion in, in the last 60 years or in history and all that other stuff. And I'm like, well, yeah, well, you know, the market was down 57%. Okay. Coming back from that, it, it should be. <laughs> we are actually where, we're, where we should have been about five years ago. Yeah, so and if certain things had not happened, I'm sure the S&P would probably be somewhere around 3,900 to 4,000 right now. No sweat. But you know, we're on our way. That's the most important thing. We're, uh, we're still here and it's still there and uh, it's still moving. You look at the U S producer price index was only up 0.08% over its last report during the last reporting period. Uh, treasuries are 10 year treasuries are down again. They're not as low as they were a couple of years ago, but about right around 2% or so 30 year mortgages down pretty good. Jobless claims, or down 5%, so fewer people reporting, uh, you know, that they lost their job. Unemployment insurance, gone up 0.34%. That's not a big deal. Actually, that's just noise. The inflation rate, what I, which I don't believe at all. <laughs> They're saying the inflation rate actually dropped 7.9% in the last measuring period. Yeah, I'm not sure about that. But anyway, the, the producer, I don't know, consumer price index was uh, actually up just a little bit, 0.06. The uh, gasoline prices, 282 across the country, uh, only up 1%. That's not a lot. The unemployment rate, you know, when I, this, is, this is what's killing me. When I was in college, they taught us that the unemployment rate, an unemployment rate of 5%. Now, when I first started taking these classes, the unemployment rate was around 10. It was around 10%. Okay, that's a lot. That's a lot of people out of work. The unemployment rate now is 3.7 according to the statistics and how they calculate the unemployment rate. When I was in college, they were teaching that a 5% unemployment rate was utopia, could never be maintained for any length of time if it ever got that low. And we have been below 5% for several years now. I want my money back. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, it just goes to show uh, change is really the only constant. That's the only thing that's constantly that you can count on. Constantly is change. Yeah. Anyway, uh, PMI up actually slightly negative. Durable goods down 1.35%. This is one of the reasons people are saying, that, oh, there might be a, a recession coming. You see durable good orders drop. Durable goods are things like uh, heavy equipment, anything that's a really big expenditure that's going to be used a lot in, uh, say, construction projects. Uh, a lot of other projects, too. It could be computers. It could be airplanes. Uh, durable goods, anything that lasts for a really long time and costs a lot, well, the orders were down a little bit. 
So I don't really think that's actually all that big of a deal. Uh, anyway, personal consumption expenditure still up. Housing starts only off by 0.94%. That's not bad, especially since you've uh, reached some records here lately. And retail sales up a half percent. So when you look across the board, it's like, yeah, this is not, it's pretty good. It's actually pretty good. Why am I bringing this up? Because if you get online, and I know you've heard me talking about this for quite a while now, the same way we've talked about all the major trends that were happening in the economy at any point in time. But if you look at what's happening right now with the uh, the 5G thing, I know you're probably tired of hearing about that, but you're going to be hearing a lot more about it over the next few years because of what it's doing. When I look at the impact that that has, that's not just on technology. By the way, technology will get the biggest benefit from that. So if you wanted to overweight something going forward, you probably want to be overweighting technology. A lot of your growth-oriented mutual funds will be overweight or exchange-traded funds will be overweight in that. And uh, we've got pretty good representation of that in a lot of the portfolios that we're running at Bullington Capital. Uh, if you are a client of mine and you would like to know more about that, I know about more about which of those funds in your portfolio are the ones that are weighted towards that, just let me know. Give me a call. So I, I think it's kind of funny. The, uh, the portfolios we typically run are kind of like uh, Prego. It's in there. <laughs> if you're not more than the age of 40, you probably don't understand what I just said. That was a commer- television commercial <laughs> from a long time ago. Almost as good as the York Peppermint Patty commercial where the iron worker is standing there going, it's like cool water running all over my body. <laughs> yeah, well, it's been a long day. <laughs> Sorry even though it's the beginning of the day. But um, anyway, so durable orders. I, I can't remember a time when the economy was quite as good as it is now. I just can't remember. I go back to the early 1980s. The 70s, you had super high inflation. Interest rates were super high. They peaked out in the, in the early 80s. Uh, the early 80s, 82 through 87 was really good, but I was in college during that time period, so I really didn't pay really close attention to it until I got up and, you know, closer to 87. Then I saw that, that crash that happened. That was pretty wild. The, um, I was just out of school and, uh, it was really interesting to see what was going on during that environment. Um, interest rates were significantly higher back then. Uh, GDP growth was cooling off quite a bit. And uh, they had to actually start dropping interest rates during that time period. But even during the 1982 through 87, you go back and look at the data. Uh, the data today looks a lot stronger than the data did back then. And when you look at what's going on in the overall economy, what is pushing this? It's almost always technology, by the way. It's always some new form of technology that creates new jobs. In a lot of cases, it eliminates old ones or modifies old ones. And uh, like Isaac Newton said, every action has an opposite and equal reaction. Actually, this is a uh, uh, there's a synergistic effect to new a lot of new technologies. What I mean by that is it positively affects an awful lot of industries. It's not just uh, we're taking from you and every you know I'm going to win, so you're going to have to lose. Nope, actually, you can both win in this case, and there will be some losers. But in this case, there are going to be more winners than there are losers. And that's a beautiful thing. It's hard to adjust to. And some businesses will make the adjustments. Some won't. That's why you've got to have strategies. That's what I really like about an exchange-traded fund who's looking at things like sales, who's looking at things like profitability. 
those are some of the factors that end up mattering over time. In the short run, you can try to, you can use price movement. You can absolutely do that. And that does, you give it enough time, it will perform quite well. In fact, a lot of those funds have performed very well over the past few years. The, uh, um, the issue with that is at some point in time, the, the, it starts to change, uh, which is okay. That's not a big deal. Um, you still have it as a portion of it. But when you're only using one factor, or if you're using a factor, say, like just purely size, that, that's what you're big, the Russell 1000, the S&P 500. Uh, I prefer the Russell 1000 over the S&P 500 because it is more diversified than the 500 is. 500 is only 500 stocks, and the top 50 stocks make up half. That's not as diversified as people think it is. And if those 50 stocks end up slowing down a little bit, which they have a tendency to do from time to time, that index is going to go from the top performer to one of the bottom performers. So if you're holding a lot of that kind of, uh, a lot of, if you have a lot of your money invested in those types of portfolios, you might want to be taking a look at that. How would you know? Well, you just pull up the holdings. In fact, another thing that we do for clients, if you're one of my clients, you're out there, you're listening, you want me to do this for you, I'll do it. Uh, Morningstar has a service that we subscribe to that will take all your portfolios and it'll show you the stocks and which of your funds hold those same stocks. That is a mind-boggling experience for most people, by the way. I was doing this in the past couple of weeks with about four different accounts, uh, four different clients, and I look at it. And it's amazing how many of their funds are holding the same stocks. So they think they're getting diversification and all they're doing is really complicating their tax returns. <laughs> their, their funds are holding the same stocks. Yeah. And you know what? That's how I know how they pick their, their funds. They go to look to see what, which funds have the best one, three, five year track record. That's what I want. Well, what do you think they're buying? They're buying the same Things. And then they don't understand why when the market goes down, it's, it's actually those leading stocks that are dropping the fastest. Why did my portfolio drop so much? Because you weren't really diversified. Your funds were all buying the same stocks. If looking at the past performance was all you ever had to do, every librarian in the country would be a billionaire. Because <laughs> who would know better where to look up history than a librarian? The, uh, uh, maybe a history teacher. They would all be billionaires. They would study that history and that's all you'd have to do. So uh, you can be actually wasting your time, your effort and your energy by holding a whole bunch of funds, thinking that you're improving your diversification. You might not. Actually, you might be increasing the amount of risk you're taking because you're putting so much money in that one group of stocks. Yeah, so it's a big deal, especially over the next 20 years. It might not be such a big deal over the next three to five years, but in 20 years, I promise you, it's going to make a difference. Yeah, it's going to make it different. Well, not a lot of promise, actually, but because uh, it's against the law in my business. But I would say the odds favor someone who has a truly diversified portfolio instead of somebody who's got uh, 10 different, you know, 10 different funds holding in the same stocks. That just doesn't make sense. And the vast majority of people have no idea. They have no idea. I was surprised. I was really surprised at the overlap so that was uh, pretty interesting. And when you looked at it, what was, <laughs> was really amazing is you looked at the whole portfolio and it was fairly well diversified. I mean, all four times they were fairly well diversified, except that they were overweight in large domestic stock, large U.S. based companies. They're all overweight. 
So they were trying to achieve the diversification and they failed. They didn't get the diversification. And they wonder how come all their funds go down and up at the same time while they're holding the same stuff. Now, that, that's not the idea of diversification. Yeah, that's anti-diversification. And it's overly complication. <laughs> You're complicating your life for no reason. Yeah. And I'll tell you what else you're doing. The funds that you're in when you do that, if those funds decide to pay out a capital gain or a dividend, or let's say the fund has huge withdrawals from it, they have to sell stocks that they have capital gains in, you can be forced to pay taxes on gains that you did not make. That's a, that is so wild. I've seen that happen a lot of times. And uh, that's one of the things I really like about exchange-traded funds is many of the exchange-traded funds uh, will not pay capital gains. And if they do, they happen to be very, very small, especially if they haven't been around for 40 years. Now, if you've been around for 10, 15, or 20 years and you're a mutual fund and suddenly the market has a big drop and people are pulling money out of the fund and the fund has to sell stocks, many of which have large gains in them to meet the redemption requirements, guess who, get, guess who gets to pay the taxes on that? The people who didn't sell. The ones that have to get the capital gains distributed, even though your money did not go up in value. That is crazy. Yeah, and there is a solution to it. It's called an exchange-traded fund. It won't always work because some of the exchange-traded funds have different rules. But for the vast majority of them, or for I shouldn't say for many of them, there's a, uh, there's a tax benefit there. So, again, if you hear of any of this stuff and you've got questions, you know, feel free. Give us an email, drop us a line, uh, feel free to call. You can stop by. Uh, we'll set you up on the calendar. There's no cost to doing that. I'm, uh, I think I'm a little nicer in person than I am on the radio. <laughs> radio is kind of hard. It, uh, I start, uh, oh, all the built up angst from the uh, 20 years of doing this now. <laughs> Just kidding. Yeah, kind of. But uh, anyway, so yeah, you can come in and uh, this is not as complicated as people like to make it seem um, there are thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of funds out there. There are only a handful of characteristics that matter. It's kind of like hitting a golf ball. You know, many different clubs and you know, drivers, pitching wedges, wedges, irons. Thing is when you swing that club at the ball, you want to try to make sure that club head is flat. <laughs> and so it's relative. What I'm saying is it's relatively basic and the basics are not that complicated. And fortunately today, it's a little easier to do a really good job. It's a lot easier than it was when I started. And it's a lot easier than when I left the brokerage community in 2004 to start my own little practice because I saw the ETFs coming and I said, Hey, you know what? That is transparency. That is risk. I can wrap my arms around. I can actually calculate the kind of risk I'm taking. And with the fund that's run by a manager, which was the more popular thing to do back then, you had to, you were basically trusting that the manager was going to do what he or she said they were going to do. And more often than not, they would try to. But a lot of these fund managers, when they put up a, a, an attractive track record, another fund company comes along and offers them more money. The talent leaves the building and oftentimes so does the track record. Anyway, we'll be talking about a little bit as we come back. You're listening to Bill Bullington right here on 1420. Stay tuned. My light, my 
about this. I'm going to talk about this on almost every show going uh, into the future. Uh, and it is a microsite. It's been under construction now for over a year. <laughs> I'll tell you, I've just been doing a lot, um, a lot with um, a lot of infrastructure. And uh, it seems like the last four years have just been one thing after another. And a lot of the projects were actually brought on by the uh, the industry, a lot of regulations. So anyway, we're going to get this out. I'm going to start to talk about it a little bit on just about every radio program. And I'll talk about it. To, you know, it's a, it's a website. It's the lookout for the bull that I'm resurrecting. And it's a very specific investment style. It's not something you can do across a large range of accounts. I mean, for one person to do this on a ton of different accounts, you just can't. There's no good way of doing it. But it's so simple if you let it be that I can show somebody how to do this in about 15 minutes. And uh, we're going to talk about it at the next seminar that we do. I talked about it this uh, this morning on the seminar. And I'm saying this morning. I'm actually pre-recording this. So it's actually tomorrow morning we'll be talking about it. The uh, Anyway, um, I'm going to bring this up over and over again because I really think that this is worthwhile for an awful lot of people. And uh, it can do a couple things for you. First of all, it can teach you a lot about the stock market. And why is that so important? Why do you need to know something about the stock market? Because if you don't know anything about the stock market, you are destined to repeat the errors that every novice investor makes. Every unskilled, unsophisticated investor makes these same mistakes all the time. And wouldn't you like to avoid that? If possible, I, I think I would. The, uh, I wish somebody had showed this to me when I was 30 <laughs> or 22 the, uh, or 12. Yeah, bring your 12-year-olds. They'll get it lickety-split, by the way. Uh, the younger you are, the faster you learn this. And uh, it's interesting. So anyway, what am I talking about? It's a very specific style of investment management and typically referred to as momentum investing. That's what the uh, technical term for that is. And I'm looking at stocks that are going up really fast right now. That's what I'm looking at. I'm looking for stocks that are going up fast right now. And I'm, I'm going to look at and see if I think that these stocks may have the ability to go higher. What do I mean by that? Well, if the fundamentals, things like the sales, the profit margin, if they're growing, or let's say the company should be selling for 30 or 40% higher than it is, and it comes up on this scan, that's a good sign. That's a really good sign. And I can show you how to do this in about an hour. Now, I'm going to tell you right off the bat, if you don't have ten dollars to $20,000 to do this with, do it on paper. Save your money. When you get to that point where you've got enough money, then you'll be able to do it. But uh, teach yourself now to start getting ready. Invest in funds now. There are some funds out there that are doing some very similar things to this. 
and uh, and but just build your knowledge, and it's fun. It's really it's 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 almost I hate to say it, but it's almost like a game, you know. And uh, there are rules, and uh, you get to see the uh, the joy and the the, the fear <laughs> all rolled into one. It's a lot like your normal life. <laughs> but, but anyway, so I'm going through, and and here's the criteria. So I'm looking for stocks over the past one, three, or six months. I look at all three time periods. The software does that for me, by the way. It brings up a list of all those stocks whose stocks are making a new 30-day high in the share price. Why do I want a 30-day high? Because I want the stock going up. Now, when I start talking about this, some people say, you mean going down? You No, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking buy low, sell high, right? Yep. No. No. <laughs> Get that out of your head. If you want to make stocks in money in stocks sooner than later, you go to stocks that are going up now, not stocks that are dropping. Doesn't if that doesn't make sense to you, you should not you should go out and find an advisor lickety split. <laughs> you will not do well in stocks. Okay? That's one of the key things that if you're interested in managing money, that's one of the things that you're going to learn is that price movement. If you're a value investor, then yeah, maybe you look at the stocks that are making the new low list, but you do expect them to keep going lower. Most value investors, people that want to buy something that's worth a dollar and pay 50 cents for it. That's what a value investor is. They will still look at charts, just not the same way you will. They're going to look at charts kind of like I will. They'll look at a stock that's making a new six-month high. See, that six-month high is probably coming up off of a bottom. It's actually started to move back up again. And by the way, that's probably going to show up on one of my momentum screens. So the momentum style that I use uses a little bit of both of value and price movement. So to me, I'm more comfortable doing that. That's why I'll probably be more successful doing it that way. And I rely primarily on the price movement. Okay, so I like stocks that are making a new 30-day high. It's not a 30 calendar day. That's 30 trading days. That's actually about six weeks. I like to see that the stock is closing up in the top 25% of that day's range. Uh, I just like to see a stock closing very well. It's going up. I like that the volume is above its average volume over the past 90 days. That's about it. So as I run this one scan for tomorrow... Um, I've gotten, actually, I have to add a condition. I didn't have the above average volume, and it's not the end of the day, so uh, but it's getting close. So if it's above average volume right now, I should be good. I'm going to add that criteria right now as we speak. I just did. It's doing the scan, and it did it in about 10 seconds. That is amazing. But anyway, I've got one, two, three, four, five stocks. The first one is a company called uh, Calame. It's a specialty product. Uh, I'm a... I'm assuming that these guys make um, products for the energy business because that's how it's classified. I'll have to look it up. I've seen this company before. It's come up on scans. Uh, but it's got a really nice-looking chart. The uh, When you've looked at it, as many charts as I have and you and you hear, you hear see this chart, you're going to go, oh, yeah, I, get I see that. Okay. That doesn't mean it's going to keep going higher. It just means it's doing very well right now. I look at the valuation on it. I like to look at the price to sales ratio. It's 0 0.08. That's super low. That is super low. Share price looks good. The valuation is low. Guess what? I might be a buyer. And if you buy that stock, I go, yeah, that makes sense. 
if you make money on it, it's going to be a little bit of luck. It's not that it's all luck because the the stock was 40 bucks back in 2013 and it's only $4.67 now. It's actually got a lot of sales. It's selling at a fraction of what their sales are, so the valuation is good, and the price is moving upwards. So what am I saying? I'm saying the chances of you having a successful investment in a company like this are higher than average. Higher than average. It's not. There aren't any guarantees in financial markets, by the way. Actually, there is a guarantee. Um, you'll be frustrated from time to time. I'll guarantee that. <laughs> How's that? The, uh, but you'll also, if you do it right, Sooner or later, you'll be pretty happy. Uh, you can make a tremendous amount of money doing this. Very interesting. Here's one that kills me. Um, Delta Airlines. I, I just can't believe an airline stock is coming up, but uh, it is. Chart looks okay. Airline stocks I'm not a huge fan of. Over the years, it's, it's been pretty hard. Now, here's, a, here's a bank that came up. Smart Financial. Uh, I don't know if that's an online bank or not, but its price-to-sales ratio is 3.12. That's for the that industry. That's pretty average. A uh, little bit lower than the average, but not a lot. Not enough to make me really want to say, "Yeah, I'm going to go buy that." So I think I'll pass on that one. There's another one. There's a, a software company, uh, Pros Holdings. I have no idea what they do. Actually, I'd have to look that one up. It's got a nice looking chart. Charts a. Uh, it's been on a tear. The stock was thirty bucks back in January. It's sixty eight now. Let's see where the uh, yeah that's at an all time high too. Price to sales ratio seven point seven four. That's pretty high, but for software companies, I've seen them get up a lot higher than that. So that one, I would actually check off a box, and I would say, you know what, I want to come back and look at that near the end of the day when I have more time, and I can spend a little bit of time reading about that company because its chart looks good, its valuation looks good. In the meantime, I'm going to the thirty day scan. Calame, that other company that we were talking about, came up on that scan too. That's pretty awesome. Comes up on two scans. That tells me that there are more, you know, there are an awful lot of other people that will probably be looking at that stock. The yeah, Beezer Homes. Um, not a big fan of the uh, home builders, but here's something that I, I wanted to talk about. Smart Global Holdings is a semiconductor company, and we've talked about this. Oh, I don't know, probably a little over a year ago. It wasn't that. It was almost new then. Uh, it hasn't been public for that long, 2017, yeah. And it took off, and if you'd have followed the guidelines that we would have suggested, you made a little bit of money. Um, shoot, I can't believe it. My show's over. I'm going to have to uh, finish this conversation next week. I feel really bad about that. But, hey, call me if you have questions on that. Uh, go to my website, Bullington Capital. It's been great talking to you. Have a good week, good investing, and good luck. You just caught another edition of the Bullington Capital Report, broadcasting every Saturday at 11 a.m. on AM 1420, The Answer. If you have a question and you'd like to speak to Bill personally, you can call him at 330-664-0700. That's 330-664-0700. Or online at BullingtonCapital.com. That's BullingtonCapital.com. 
Past performance may not be indicative of future results. Therefore, no current or prospective client should assume that the future performance of any specific investment, investment strategy, including the investments and or investment strategies recommended and or purchased by advisor or product made reference to directly or indirectly will be profitable. Different types of investment involve varying degrees of risk and there can be no assurance that any specific investment will either be suitable or profitable for a client's investment portfolio. No client or prospective client should assume that any information presented serves as the receipt of or substitute for personalized investment advice from the advisor or any other investment professional. The preceding program has been paid for by Bullington Capital Management, LLC. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.